0: Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's message is not intended for little ears. We'll be discussing some adult themes, and I want you to be aware before you listen to this message. The principles of honesty and integrity that Sam Lehman founded his business on continue today over 55 years later at Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Owned and operated by the Birchie family, Sam Lehman in Eureka appreciates the support they've received from their customers all over central Illinois and beyond. Visit them today at lehmangm.com. Gay Christmas is my guest today and she has expertise in healthy living. She's also written about enjoying healthy marital sex for years. She's going to inform us of the connection between our mind, body, and marriage, including the impact stress has on our libido, sexual response differences between men and women, and even ways to unlock our orgasm. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce Gay.
1: Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited for this chat as well. And can you just start us off by telling us a bit about yourself and the work that you get to do?
1: Uh, Sure. So, I'm a wife and mom first. My husband, Dan, and I had been married for 36 years, and we have two young adult sons and one beautiful daughter in law. So, I also work full time as a grant writer and technical editor for a university. And in that work, I'm mainly collaborating with researchers who are looking at new and better ways to help people be more physically active and eat healthier. So my background is in biology and public health, but I come from a family of English teachers and professors. So I feel like being a writer and editor in a health field is kind of a great blend of those two parts of my background.
0: Oh, that's really helpful to hear more about the day job. And then you also have this side part that you do. So can you share what inspired you to initially start the blog, Calm, Healthy, Sexy?
1: Yes, sure. So as much as I do love my day job, when I'm there, I'm generally working on other people's projects. I'm helping them edit, strengthen their writing, helping them put together manuscripts or research grant applications. So my role there is really helping, facilitating, encouraging, and sharing some technical expertise, but not really to develop my own projects. So even though I don't really consider myself to be a super creative person, about 10 years or so ago, I felt the need to develop my own writing projects as a creative outlet, sort of. And then just, I thought that my background in health, because of that, I had a lot of information that women needed. And I really wanted to share it in a way that was very practical and very doable for busy wives and moms. I just believe that God has given us amazing bodies and that we have an obligation really to care for them as well as we possibly can. So my goal with Calm, Healthy, Sexy And my new blog, The Healthy Life Toolbox, is to help women do that by really focusing on practical solutions. My goal always is to provide tools, information, and encouragement that busy women can use to make the healthy changes they want to make. And then kind of the second side of that is the marriage side. And so also about 10 or 12 years ago, I was reading some of the early marriage blogs and realizing that even though I had been married more than 20 years then, that I didn't have all the information I needed. You know, I would read things and go, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. And so I just felt that there was a need to sort of put together practical information on the whole sort of mind, body, marriage experience for women. And as part of that, I wanted to sort of counter some of the negative messages that women receive and particularly Christian women receive about sex. You know, just to be very blunt, the church in general, I think, has done a poor job of providing the tools that men and women, but especially women, need in order to enjoy, you know, a fun, intimate, pleasurable sexual relationship in marriage. And in some cases, I think the church has really done damage and given women information that is almost guaranteed to make their sex lives worse, not better. So I just really wanted to counter that and talk about sex as a great gift from God and something that should be enjoyable for both husbands and wives in marriage. So. I kind of put all those things together and started writing that blog. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. I think that takes a lot of bravery and it's also something very needed. So then you mentioned that first blog where you started Calm, Healthy, Sexy, and it's led even to the second blog. But are there any other doors that opened up just because of your willingness to begin blogging?
1: Yeah, willingness or foolishness. I don't know, (laughs) but... Yes, one of the really great opportunities that opened up to me is podcasting. So for five years, I've been co-hosting a podcast called Sex Chat for Christian Wives with three other Christian marriage writers, Bonnie Burns, Jay Parker, and Chris Taylor. And the idea behind our podcast is that we're just four women sitting around a virtual kitchen table chatting about sex and marriage topics. And we call it a virtual kitchen table because we live in four states and two time zones. So we can't actually share an an actual kitchen table. But we just want it to be, you know, women talking about sex and intimacy and marriage in a way that you ought to be able to talk about it with your close friends. But the reality is most of us don't have many or any friends that we can have those Discussions with. And so uh, we try to have them in a way that might be helpful to other wives. And I think, you know, the four of us have the same core values and the same goal of helping women and strengthening marriages, but we are very different people. We have different perspectives. We don't agree on everything entirely. And I think that's great because women who listen to the podcast get to hear, you know, different perspectives and to know that sex and intimacy topics can be nuanced and maybe there's not always just one right answer or even one Christian answer.
0: Oh, that is so well said. And your podcast is fantastic. So I'm definitely going to link to it in the show notes for today's episode and hope everybody gives it a listen. But I'd also love to glean from your writing wisdom because it was about a year and a half ago that I started publishing blog articles on our website. And it definitely takes a decent amount of work. You've been at this for over 10 years. So how do you come up with your content for your blogs?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I tend to write about health and marriage topics that either interest me or things I hear about from other women, either hearing from them directly you know, via email or or blog comments or social media comments, or just sometimes kind of listening to the things women are talking about in conversations, either in person or online. And then I also try to pay attention to things that are happening in the world that are affecting women and to write about those things if I think that I can offer something helpful or encouraging. So, for example, during COVID, especially at the beginning when we weren't really sure what was happening and what we should be doing, I was writing about COVID because of my public health background, but trying to gear it toward, you know, wives and moms who were trying to figure out what they needed to be doing. In terms of resources, it's hard to know what to trust in both the health world and the marriage world. So for health advice, I like online resources like, Healthline, uh, WebMD, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, also articles that women see that are in large newspapers. Health articles often tend to be good because those outlets have either professional health writers or they can draw on expert guest writers. For people who really want to dig into health information, PubMed and PubMed Central, which are online resources. Are really great for digging into the science. And then on specific topics, I look at what's the background of the person who's writing? What have they written before? You know, does this resonate? Does this make sense? If you have an, a particular topic, just finding somebody who has a, a good background and whose writing seems solid to you. But it, I admit that it's challenging. It also is to find Christian resources. I mean, there are, I've sort of alluded to this, there's some very poor Christian resources on marriage. I definitely trust the writing of my three posts. Bonnie writes at oysterbed7.com and strongwives.com, which is specifically geared to women who have experienced sexual betrayal. Chris, who writes at Forgiven Wife and Honeycomb and Spice, and Jay Parker, who writes at Hot Holy Humorous. Those are good you know, solid Christian marriage and sex blogs. And also our friends, Julie Seibert at Intimacy and in Marriage and Lori Byerly at The Generous Wife provide very solid sex and marriage advice. So those are some of my go-to resources.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's always helpful to have a practical follow-up. So you've given us plenty of options to research it further. But after your years of writing about healthy living... If you had to boil it down, what would you say have been just a few of your greatest lessons?
1: Yeah, I love that question because I think it's important to give women encouragement and also to give sort of practical things. So, I guess I I sort of have three and the first one is that you absolutely can make changes. You do not have to be stuck, you know, with problems or situations that you're facing. I think women tend to feel and naturally so they've been dealing with a problem or a situation that makes them unhappy for a long time that they're stuck with that situation or problem. But I've seen in my own life and the lives of other women that things do not have to stay the same. You can make positive changes and you can make them stick. And that's both in the health realm and in the marriage realm. You know, so for example, I have a friend who was very unhappy with her weight for a number of years and she finally began to take steps, you know, that worked for her. And over several years she lost 80 pounds and has kept it off. So she was super frustrated by that for a very long time and felt like she was stuck with it. But you are not, you can make changes. You know, another friend was very unhappy in her marriage for a very long time. Felt like things were not going to change. But eventually She decided to take the step of simply beginning to work on what she could change and to kind of take it one step at a time. And now she has a completely different marriage. And in my own marriage, I feel like my husband and I didn't have the best communication skills when we came into marriage and had some issues related to that. But over time, we've been able to become much, much better at it. So that's one. You can make changes. The second one is, I think most women are probably doing too much. Most women, I think, have taken on so many responsibilities and are doing so many things for so many people that they don't really have time to care for their bodies, minds, or marriages. So if a woman feels like she doesn't have time to exercise regularly or to eat a healthy diet or to get enough sleep or to spend you know, quality, relaxing time with her husband, It's likely that she's doing too much and that some things need to go. And then kind of the third thing drawing on that is I think women need to recognize that you deserve to take time to care for your body, mind, and marriage. I think as women, we often feel guilty. Somehow, if we take time to focus on ourselves or something that's important to us, we feel you know, selfish or guilty if we're not focusing on other people all the time. But I just don't think that's biblical, and I don't think that's what Jesus modeled for us. So should we take care of our responsibilities? Of course. Should we put the needs of those closest to us ahead of our own? Yes, very often, but not always. I think that God wants us to care for the amazing minds and bodies that he's given us, and wants us to nurture our most important relationship, which is our marriages.
0: Gay, that is so good. I'm going to be re-listening to that a few times, but there is a lot of wisdom there. Thank you. And it's so unique how you make that connection with your healthy physical life and a healthy sex life in marriage. So let's zero in on that connection. How would you say that movement or exercise impacts our desire and even our enjoyment of sex?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. And I just, I think it's so important that I hardly know where to start talking about it. I'm a hundred percent convinced that regular exercise or physical activity, which is, you know, basically just moving, getting up and moving your body, whatever you want to call it, is just critical to good physical and mental health in general, and also specifically to enjoyment of sex. So, I mean, why is that? Well, regular exercise reduces the risk of all the things we want to avoid. You know, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, cancer, all of those which can have a devastating effect on our health, but also on our libido and sex lives. Exercise can help to reduce anxiety and depression, both of which can really crush your libido and interest in sex. In fact, there are a number of studies that have shown that regular physical activity can be as effective as medication for treating mild and moderate depression. Although, of course, if someone is struggling with depression or severe anxiety, they do want to be working with a doctor or a therapist. But exercise can be very, very helpful. In addition, Regular physical activity can help you feel less tired and more energetic. You know, which is paradoxical because you'd think it would wear you out, but basically unless you're training for a marathon or an ironman, it's actually the opposite. It it gives you more energy. So my routine is to walk 10,000 steps a day. I wear a Fitbit. I accumulate physical activity throughout the day, 6 days a week, and I've been doing that for years and it really is critical, I think, to my stress management, to keeping my weight under control, and just to slowing down some of the declines that we sort of typically get as we get older.
0: I like how you say the word accumulate too, because you're right, maybe for certain moms listening in a really busy, demanding season, maybe they don't have that one set aside hour each day, but over time, you could do little 10 minute chunks here and there.
1: Absolutely. And there's there's research, you know, that shows that 10 and 15 minute chunks throughout the day of moderate physical activity, which is based, sort of brisk walking, that they have a, an accumulative beneficial effect. So that's, you don't have to have an hour to go to the gym. I mean, that's great if you can do it, but no, if you can spread three 20 minute brisk walks or four 15 minute brisk walks Throughout the day, or just times, you know, playing physically with your kids. It does not have to be what we typically think of as prescribed exercise.
0: And now, a brief message from our sponsor Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka has been owned and operated by the Birchie family for over 25 years. A lot has changed in the car business since Sam and Stephen's grandfather, Sam Lehman, opened his first Chevrolet dealership over 55 years ago. If you visit their dealership today though, you'll find that not everything has changed. They still operate their dealership like their grandfather did, with honesty and integrity. Sam and Steven understand that you have many different choices in where you buy or service your vehicle. This is why they do everything they can to make the car buying process as easy and hassle-free as possible. They are thankful for the many lasting friendships that began with a simple, welcome to Sam Lehman's. Their customers keep coming back because they experience something different. I've known Sam and Steven and their wives my entire life, and I can vouch for their character and integrity, which makes it easy to highly recommend you check them out today. Your car buying process doesn't have to be something you dread. So come see for yourself at Sam Lehman's Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Sam and Steven would love to see you, and they appreciate your business. Learn more at their website, LaymanEureka.com, or visit them on Facebook by searching for Sam Layman Eureka. You can also call them at 309-467-2351. Thanks for your sponsorship. So that's kind of the movement piece, but then obviously another huge part of well-being and being healthy is nutrition. So how do you think nutrition affects our sex life and marriage?
1: Yeah, so nutrition is really important for overall health and by extension for our sex lives. So I'm not saying if you eat well, you'll automatically have a great sex life, but a healthy diet is critical to a healthy body and having a healthy body makes it much easier to feel sensual and sexual and enjoy sex in your marriage. So in the short run, healthy eating just makes you feel better and gives you more energy if you think about the difference between how you feel after eating Thanksgiving dinner versus after eating a beautiful salad with some fresh fruit on the side, I mean there's no comparison, and I say this as someone who loves Thanksgiving dinner, but you know, a meal that's filled with sugar, simple carbs, processed foods or unhealthy fat tends to make us feel sort of slow and heavy and lethargic, whereas one that's filled with fruits, vegetables, complex carbs and healthy fats tends to make us feel light and energetic. And so what's true about a single meal is even more true about our overall diet. You know, what we eat just makes a tremendous difference in how we feel and in developing your risk of developing all those diseases that we already mentioned, and it also really helps with your energy and your mental clarity, you know, whether you're able to manage your weight, which for a lot of women is an issue when it comes to you know, their body image and feeling sensual determines how well your digestive system works and whether your body is able to regulate inflammation. So in a an important, although somewhat indirect way, I think that having a healthy diet makes it easier to feel sensual, maintain a healthy libido, and enjoy a fun sex
0: life. Okay. And you said the word inflammation. Do you have... Any specifics of foods to probably avoid that cause inflammation or, on the opposite side, recommended foods or meals that would work in a healthier direction?
1: Yes, definitely. Foods that tend to cause inflammation are sugar, an excess of added sugar in your diet, certain types of fats, like the kinds of fats that are more saturated, fats that are in processed food as opposed to, for example, olive oil, which is a fat that does not cause inflammation. But just a fast food, processed food diet, a diet that's high in sugar or in very simple kind of white carbs that are quickly converted to sugar, those kind of foods can contribute to inflammation, whereas things like fruits, vegetables, whole grain carbs. So, you know, I'm talking about whole wheat pasta versus white, whole wheat bread versus white. And then the healthy fats like olive oil is probably the best example. Those would be more anti-inflammatory foods.
0: Okay. So covered movement and nutrition. Let's also talk about how have you noticed stress affecting couples' sex life?
1: Yeah. So stress is a major barrier to creating a fun, relaxing sex life. I think for both women and men, we tend to think of stress as affecting women's sex lives uh, more negatively, but it can affect men too, perhaps in different ways. And also, I just, I want to clarify, I'm kind of talking about normal stresses here, not things like abuse or adultery, which obviously create tremendous stress and require kind of professional help to navigate. But for everyday stresses that women are experiencing, whether it's young children, the career, aging parents, all of those things cause stress. And I believe that if it's unmanaged, it really affects our sex lives poorly. Um, I read a quote from the Gottman Institute recently that said, stress and sex drive do not mix. You simply cannot have a head full of 120 worries while also having great sex, which I think is true. And I think you know, wives and moms can really relate to the idea of having 120 worries. So, for women, you know, the stresses of everyday life can affect libido, your energy level, your emotional and physical health, and just in ways that really crush their interest in sex. And there are, I think, both emotional and physiological reasons for that. For example, chronic stress causes hormone changes that negatively affect sex. It can decrease sex-related hormones that are beneficial, like testosterone, which women have testosterone too, and it can increase hormones that are not beneficial, like cortisol, which is kind of known as the stress hormone. So that combination of lower beneficial hormones and higher stress-related hormones is very negative for libido.
0: And so do you have any tips for how you think that we can manage our own stress better?
1: I think to start with the kinds of physical health things we already talked about, exercising regularly, eating a healthy diet, and also getting enough sleep can really help to reduce stress. I think that getting outside in nature as much as possible is really helpful. Um, Just spending time talking and really connecting with your husband, but also with A family member or a close friend can be really helpful. And then I really think it's important that for a lot of women, cutting down on their commitments and simplifying their schedules can really make a difference. Most women are just doing too much. And, you know, I think some women need to ask themselves, you know, do my children need to be in six sports and four music and dance activities all at the same time? while I'm also you know, juggling my work or home responsibilities and maybe some church and community responsibilities? And I think often the answer is no, some of that can go. And I would just encourage women to really think that through and then sit down with their husband and say, let's talk about what are our priorities as a couple and a family? And what do we need to change to be able to focus on that priority? Those priorities, like what does God want us to focus on? What do we want to focus on? And what would be best for our family? And then alter their scheduling commitments so that they can focus on those things.
0: So, if somebody is used to saying yes right away to everything, what encouragement would you have for them?
1: My encouragement is for them to learn and practice no not now not any longer you know those i think are words that we don't want to say as women we don't want to say no i can't take on that opportunity or no i can't assist with that when we're already doing something we don't want to say i can no longer do this <laughs> and we don't want to say i i can't do that right now but if we're going to decide what the priorities are and then let everything else fall out around that i think we have to learn those words i don't like to say them either i can think of a time when i taught sunday school to young children in my church for a very long time but there came a time when it just felt like too much and it just didn't seem like that was a priority anymore and i had to say no longer i'm not no longer able to do this And nobody likes it when you say that, you know, you feel like you're disappointing people. But again, I think the focus has to be on your primary relationships first and then your more external activities. So it is hard and I would encourage women to take some small steps to practice kind of saying those things.
0: That's so helpful. I think those words are helpful to practice. But then also what you're kind of pointing to is just being spirit led. So coming to the Lord and saying, okay, this may look different for other families, but for us, what do you have? And then we hope to walk in step with the spirit.
1: Right. And you, yeah, I mean, you have to have that, I think, assurance that you are in line with what God's wanting you to do, because there will be people who will be unhappy with you. Yeah, you have to be kind of confident in that.
0: There is an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I want to hear an account of the way He made Himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer, or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There's no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at the savvy I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. So Gay, how can couples grow in their communication specifically as it relates to sex in marriage?
1: Yes, that's a really good question. And I may not be the best person to answer that. And I'll say why, Uh, because I came from a family that wasn't very good about communicating about difficult things. And so I carried into adulthood and marriage some rather poor communication skills or maybe it was less about skills and not knowing that when something was on my mind or bothering me, I should be talking to my husband about it. I can remember thinking on a number of occasions, Oh, I didn't realize that I had should have talked about that. And I think that came from my family background. So I really have to work on that. But I will say in terms of talking about sex specifically, The Four Christian Wives podcast did an episode this summer about talking to your husband about sex, and that may be helpful to some of your listeners. But just to give a few tips, here are some things I found helpful. And the first is if you really want to have a discussion about sex, is to do it outside the bedroom. So pick a neutral location, a time when you won't be interrupted, and a time when neither one of you is feeling stressed or for time, talking about sex can be, I don't know, it can feel threatening. And so I don't think you want to do that in the bedroom or in a sexual setting. Then if you want to talk about sex in general or a specific topic with your husband, but you aren't sure how to get started, because admittedly it can be kind of awkward, I would consider using a resource as a starting point. So for example, you know finding an article or a book or a podcast episode maybe this episode that addresses a topic in a way that feels positive and comfortable to you and to use that as a place to start the conversation with your husband so maybe something like i'd really like to be able to work on being able to orgasm more frequently and i read this article that has some really good ideas or maybe Sending an article to your husband saying, hey, I read this and I thought this has some good ideas. What do you think about that? But I think that using a resource helps to make it a little less personal or emotional and lets you start from a place of talking about information. And then you can work your way toward sort of the more emotional part of it. And then the third thing is to expect that you will need to have more than one conversation about it. So my podcast partners laugh at me because I say this all the time, but I think it's important to realize that conversations about sex can be challenging, and making changes in your sex life can be challenging, and it very often takes more than one conversation to overcome that challenge. You know, I found this out earlier in my marriage when my husband and I had talked about and agreed on some things but it seemed like nothing was changing. And it was very frustrating to me because what I thought was he's not paying attention. But what it really was, was these things take time for both of us to sort of absorb. And also I found that I wasn't communicating as clearly as I thought I was. So if you have a conversation, but nothing changes, don't be upset. Just recognize that you know, sometimes it has to be sort of a progression or over time.
0: I think that's helpful. It's a very realistic expectation. And again, you're so good with those practical tips that I really think that practical application leads to transformation. So I'm appreciating that. Thank you. What barriers do you notice in marriages that are hampering the couple's sex life?
1: I definitely think busyness and stress, which we've already talked about, I also think that lack of information and or poor information is really hampering good sex for a lot of Christian couples. You know there's advice for couples and for wives in particular that just isn't helpful, you know, even though I think we've come a long way in recent years in sort of getting good information out there. And, you know, there've been new resources and a lot more available resources. I think there still is information, particularly for women, that is not helpful. And so I I would really encourage women to Look for resources that are, And I, I mean, I know you've had other really good people to, on this podcast to talk about sex and people can look, listen to those episodes. Getting the right information is the beginning of change. If a woman has gotten the information that sex is for men, women aren't interested in sex, you know, well, it ta- only takes five minutes, what's the problem? You know, that's very poor information. But if you're operating out of that, then that's sort of all you know. So my goal is always to get good information and then see how I can change based on that good information.
0: And that's helpful to have the examples because it sounds like the resources that you would not recommend are the ones that are kind of sex negative in position, especially for women. Whereas when we read The Song of Solomon... We see that God is so sex positive in marriage and that right. mutuality is always present. And so, do you have any other examples of resources that you would recommend that you kind of give your stamp of approval?
1: So, I would say for a good general overall Christian sex in marriage resource, I think the Hot Holy Humorous blog, which is written by one of my podcast co hosts, Jay Parker is just a really good resource. I mean, she has probably 800 articles on that site that just, you know, talk about sex and marriage from a very positive perspective and, you know, with a focus on both husbands and wives. But I think she has a particular interest in helping wives see that they can enjoy sex and intimacy in their marriage. So I I think that's a really good one. I do think that our our sex chat podcast is a good one simply because it's casual, but it gives good information and it's very sex positive and it's very encouraging to women and encouraging them to really find, you know, what works for them in intimacy in their marriage.
0: And Gay, I love how there's kind of a theme that's emerged too, where you're talking about when we have overcrowded schedules that can add stress and that can put a damper on our sex life. So how do you think margin influences a couple's enjoyment of sex together?
1: Yes, I I think margin is, it's huge. It, it ties into all the sort of the busyness and commitments that we've talked about. So Uh, the idea is based on the book Margins by uh, Richard Swenson, I believe. And I think his definition is that margin is the space between our load and our limits. And I would say, maybe to make it easier for women, I'd say it's the space between our time and energy, both physical and mental, and our commitments. So, I mean, I really like to think of it as margins on a page. You know, if you Kind of have a box around a page, and in the box are all of your commitments, all the things you have to do, the things you have to think about, keep up with. As that increases, you know, the box has to increase, and at some point, there are no more margins on the page. And when you get to that point, you can't enjoy things, and also you can't respond well to anything that comes up. You know, so if you have Some margin in your life, whereas you're not expending all your time and all your energy just juggling the balls and getting things done. If something comes up, then you have some space to deal with it, whether it be a problem comes up, you know, your child gets sick, your husband has to go out of town all of a sudden, or whether something fun comes up, you know, your in laws say, hey, we'll take the kids for the weekend, you go away you want to be able to say, yes, we're going to go away. Not, no, I have no margin left that I could actually leave this house for three days. So, you know, I do think it because when there's no margin, sometimes sex and intimacy becomes something that no longer fits on the page. And that's not what we want. That's not ideal at all. We want our lives to be able to include a great fun, positive sex life with our husbands. And in order for that to to work, you have to have some of that marginal space to work with, I think.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I think that's so important. But do you have any practical ways to help us create margin throughout all the various seasons of life?
1: I really think it goes back to what you said and deciding what are those core things that we're about, you know, through prayer and talking with your husband, what is the most important? And that may change, you know, at different times of your life, you know, when you have four little children, that's very different than when your children are, you know, in your 20s, like for me, and then it becomes different when you get a little bit older and your parents need help or you know if you you or your husband is starting a new business you know that's a different time so it it changes but i think at each stage of life the two of you need to agree on you know what what is within this box on our page and how much can we have in there and still have some nice you know 1 inch margins around the side i i just think it's being intentional not just letting things happen but being intentional about your decisions, and your commitments, and making sex and intimacy kind of one of your priority areas so that you do have time and, and energy left over for that.
0: Yeah. And really, that's, that comes down to kind of the self-discipline required for intentional living. But I think it is so rewarding when we are living the intentional life, but also it's so rewarding. I think God set it up this way to live a disciplined life. So it's always helpful to have that reminder.
1: Yeah, it is. And all of these things that we've talked about take intentionality. Healthy eating will not happen without intentionality. A great sex life will not happen without intentionality. So yeah, I think you're right. That's very important.
0: Well, changing gears here a little bit, what tips do you have for the lower desire spouse to help them get in the mood to connect sexually?
1: You know, we tend to think, okay, well, the wives are the lower drive spouses. Well, that may or may not be true. You know, sometimes I even wonder if lower drive or lower desire is the best term. It may be that one spouse simply has a different type of sexual response So I think it's often that men have more spontaneous desire or a spontaneous sexual response, and women often have a more responsive response. Although, again, I think that that's not completely exclusive to men and women, but I think it falls out that way. So it may be that what wives feel like is low desire or low libido, it may be just a different type of response and i i will admit that i was an adult and married for quite a while before i understood that just because i have a different type of sexual response from my husband it does not mean that there's anything wrong with me so when i say responsive i mean that i think for some people before they have to begin to engage physically before their mind engages mentally or emotionally. So kind of the stereotypical way would be, well, you know, your husband's in the mood just with, you know, because you took off your shirt to change your shirt. But for most women, they don't get spontaneously aroused in that way. But that does not mean that there's anything wrong with them. It just means that they may need to actually start engaging sexually and see if their sort of their mind catches up with it which i think often it does maybe a way to think of it is you know if you don't feel like you're in the mood for sex i guess a question, a question might be could i make space for the possibility of sex and then maybe beginning to act on that And then seeing if the desire or the response comes along. So do some people probably have a lower libido? Yes. But it may also be that they just simply have a different type of sexual response and just maybe changing their thinking about that could make a difference in in how much interest they feel like they have. I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I feel like you articulate things so well and give such great thoughtful questions to reflect on or consider. And you cover so many topics in your own podcast, so just one other thing somewhat related to this, do you have any lessons to share about experiencing orgasm or enjoying the opportunity to receive pleasure specifically for the wives listening?
1: Yes, so the Bible, particularly in Song of Sol- Song of Songs, you know, talks about sexual response and desire and interest for both men and women. And, you know, women's bodies were created to enjoy sexual pleasure. The clitoris has no other purpose than, and it's the clitoris is made, you know, of the same tissue basically as the penis. It's just that it's mostly internal rather than external. So the clitoris has no other purpose and therefore, I have to assume that God designed our bodies for sexual pleasure. So the question is, why do so many women struggle with it? And I think one reason may be that we may not understand what stimulates most women to orgasm. So, for example, if if a woman is trying to orgasm through intercourse, most women, probably I think it's about around 70%, that it's not gonna work, and so if you if a woman feels like well, that's the only way, and if it doesn't work for me, then I must not be able to orgasm i mean i I just feel like that's wrong information it's more physiology. I think women who are easily able to orgasm with intercourse, it's more like the placement or the distance of the clitoris from the vagina, and if it's a little bit farther removed. Then you don't get the right stimulation, so most women need direct clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm, and that's good, that's fine there's nothing you know I, I think there still is maybe a remnant of that idea that if if we don't both orgasm with intercourse and ideally at the same time, there's something wrong but but there is not. It's perfectly fine for the woman to orgasm through direct stimulation, you know, with her husband, his his hand, his mouth, maybe even a vibrator, and then to have intercourse. And then sometimes once you're already sort of primed, then it might be easier to have orgasm an orgasm with intercourse. But I, I just think it's, I think it's important to know that we were designed for that and Again, it's not going to be the same as for your husband. You're going to have to work it a little bit differently, probably for the woman to have an orgasm.
0: And I think that goes back to what you said, that having accurate information can really lead to that change. So I feel like you've shared such great information with us today. And if you kind of had to boil it down and just give somebody the next baby step that they could take, where would you recommend starting first?
1: So I'll give two things. For orgasm, I would recommend the book Unlock Your Orgasm by Bonnie Burns. She also has Unlock Your Libido. That's a really good resource. Just in general, for women to take a next step toward more positive sexuality, and I I don't want this to sound like I think it's simplistic because I don't. I, I realize it's a multi-step process, but I think that reading Song of Songs – again, as a starting point, can be helpful because it gives you the big picture that sex is good. Interest in sex by women is good. Sex should be fun and pleasurable and joyful. Women's bodies are good. They're beautiful. The maiden in Song of Songs you know, worries about how she looks, her appearance, her body. And, you know, most of us do, but your body is beautiful. You don't have to look like a 20 year old supermodel to be a beautiful, sensual woman. And so I would just say that Song of Songs is a great place to start to just set up the framework that this is good. And now I'm going to start working toward this. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and if listeners want to go somewhere to learn more from you, Gay, where would you direct them?
1: They can find me at CalmHealthySexy.com, which is where most of my marriage content is, and HealthyLifeToolbox.com, which is newer, um, but that's slowly going to become the place where most of my physical and emotional health content is. And then they can also find Our podcast at fourchristianwives.com or just in their podcast player.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for mentioning all of that. And you may be familiar that we're called the savvy sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so, as my final question for you today, what is your savvy sauce?
1: Okay. I just, I love this question and I love listening to these on your podcast episodes. But my savvy sauce is small steps can lead to very big changes. I am a confirmed believer in small steps. I believe that most women are too busy or too tired to make huge sweeping changes in their lives, but that every woman can begin right now, whatever her circumstances, and take a small step in the direction she wants to go. And once she's comfortable with that step, and has worked out how to fit it into her life, then she can take another small step. And over time, these small steps will help her build healthy, positive changes in her life and marriage. And I think this works for any kind of change a woman wants to make. It works for adding regular exercise to your life. It works for moving toward a healthier diet. It works for losing weight. And it also works for making positive changes in your marriage and your sex life. It works for anything. And so I would just encourage your listeners to adopt a small steps approach and decide today what's the thing I want to take and what's the first small step I'm going to make.
0: Wow. Absolutely. I love that. That's little by little and one degree at a time. That's so wise. And Gay, you're so courageous to teach and encourage people on this topic. And I'm really grateful that you shared that gift with all of us today. So thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you, Laura. I enjoyed this so much.
0: One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you, but it starts with the bad news.